This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Malcolm here. And on today's show, we're talking investments. More specifically, we're talking about ways to invest in digital versions of original works of art, utilizing what's now popularly known as non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. Not that long ago, we were all trying to wrap our collective heads around this thing called Bitcoin and how it was promising to revolutionize the way we all pay for goods and services and interact with our money more generally. Then came a number of copycats, some good, some bad, and some flat out scams. And now, before we really even come to a consensus on whether cryptocurrencies were meant to be seen as a digital currency, a store of value, an investment asset class, or something else entirely, the conversation has shifted to a different form of digital gold called an NFT. NFTs seemingly came out of nowhere in early 2021 following the announcement that a painting had been digitized and then auctioned off for something like $65 million. However, they've actually been around since at least 2020. 2014 as a means to bring a work of art to the masses and even allow multiple investors or collectors to own a fractional share of some of the most expensive and most popular works of art. Now, it may surprise some of you to learn that NFTs are not at all a subject that I've spent a great deal of time learning about, he said sarcastically. So I'm by no means an expert on the topic. You might even call me a bit of a skeptic. So I decided to call up someone who lives in this space to have them educate me and maybe even convert me to a believer. We'll see. Jesse Krieger is the chief content officer of PowerFan, an NFT minting platform for authors and other content creators, allowing them to create and sell exclusive works directly to their audience and fans. Prior to his work with PowerFan, Jesse has authored and published two best-selling books on two different continents and helped over 500 other authors to publish books as well. So with that brief introduction, welcome Jesse Krieger to the Tech Money Podcast. Thanks so much for having me and great, great to be here. Yeah. And I breezed through your resume pretty quickly there in my intro. What else should I have included? Yeah. So for the last seven years, I've run a book publishing company. Um, We publish about 30 books a year, mostly by entrepreneurs, doctors and health and wellness experts um, and people in the self-help and spirituality genres. So Mm -hmm. that's my context coming into PowerFan and working with 
authors as well as other content creators um, to have digital asset strategies and NFTs. And I believe you refer to that group as lifestyle entrepreneurs. Is that the way to think of it? Yeah, I mean, my my book publishing company is Lifestyle Entrepreneurs Press. Um, my own book that I wrote prior to starting a publishing company is Lifestyle Entrepreneur. Still available wherever books are sold. <laughs> <laughs> but what is it about the world of writing books that interests you enough to want to help other people do it too? As a person currently writing a book myself, I know how excruciating that process can be sometimes. And so I definitely would not want to go through that process multiple, multiple times every year. I think you just said 30 to help other folks with their books. You nailed it. I mean, it is a confounding process. It's a confronting process. Ultimately writing and publishing a book is a rewarding process, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's something, I guess it's intrigued me because it's unique relative to any other business I've been involved in getting in and, you know, working with, creative people, uh, talented people on this thing that, you know, a book could confound people for years before they finally get it down and get it out. So I enjoy being a part of that process. It's intense at times, but ultimately um, a real joy. I am definitely guilty of that multiple years of uh, doing absolutely nothing and then trying to do it all at once. Um, that's 50 the way years is the longest. Uh, wow. I, I published an author in her late 60s who had been sitting on her story for half a century. So Wow. Okay. I feel a little better now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, to get us kicked off here, Jesse, can you just explain what an NFT is and does, like in plain English? Yeah, sure. You touched on Bitcoin was the first crypto cryptographic currency. The Mm -hmm. second is Ethereum. And Mm -hmm. Ethereum is an evolution over Bitcoin because it's a global supercomputer. Uh, And the Ethereum token or the Ethereum cryptocurrency is how you use the Ethereum virtual machine, as it's Mm -hmm. actually called. So with that being said, the Ethereum allows for the creation of NFTs or non-fungible tokens, which are unique digital assets where you can track the custody of ownership, the exact date and time and value that they were transacted from origin to present. Um, and that's, I guess, the, the simple English uh, description, but I could get into more of that. Well, well, how does it differ, though, from a cryptocurrency, which is also built on that same blockchain or distributed ledger technology that you're describing? Yeah. So an NFT, so let's think of Ethereum first. Um, An Mm -hmm. NFT on the Ethereum blockchain is a digital asset that's created on Ethereum's blockchain using Ethereum, the cryptocurrency, to both create it and that somebody needs to use to purchase it. So now if I create an NFT on Ethereum, then you would need Ethereum to purchase the NFT. And the next person would need Ethereum to purchase for, purchase it from you. And so in that respect, um, then NFT lives on its respective blockchain. There's also Avalanche blockchain. They have mm-hmm. NFTs and so on. There's other blockchains, Solana, people may have heard of. And each one has its own operative token. So Ethereum has the ETH token and the NFTs are transacted in ETH. So I saw... Uh, the recent rise in Ethereum's, I don't know if you call it a share price or what, but it's price per coin or what have you, mm-hmm. increasing similarly to the way that blockchain, uh, uh, Bitcoin was increasing for the last couple of years. I, I saw that it's moving in sort of the way that like uh, 
gold and silver trade sort of in tandem. And usually people will buy silver if they want to own uh, a commodity, a precious metal, but don't want to have to pay the higher price for gold. That's the way that I looked at Ethereum and, and Bitcoin and thought that the reason that Ethereum was rising at the same time Bitcoin was, was you know, for that same transaction. But it sounds like what you're talking about might be a more direct reason why Ethereum would be going up and not having some of the same volatility as Bitcoin right now, which is that the more popular NFTs are being built on Ethereum's blockchain. Is that appropriate? That's to- for sure part of the reason, especially over the last year, as NFT sales on Ethereum have exploded from 250 million approximate total sales volume in 2020 to, I think, well over 10, if not over $20 billion of NFT transactions in 2021. So that's the, the, the context of the wave that's still like sweeping over uh, a number of, of industries. The other substantiating part of the Ethereum price rise is decentralized finance. So how can you use Ethereum to earn a yield and the different ways that there's yield generating capacity coupled with use cases like NFTs starts to give you a picture for why it is the number two cryptocurrency. Um, but also you touched on something, Malcolm, you know, Bitcoin, in my view, it's the, it's a great store of value and mm-hmm. it's very easy to move around. I could move $100,000 um, to somebody halfway around the world in a matter of seconds, if not minutes, for about a dollar transaction cost. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's the real upshot with Bitcoin is it's a, a, a portable store of value that you can control uh, privately. Whereas Ethereum is this this NFT capability and this yield generating capability on decentralized finance. Um, and, and that then becomes true for the next gen platforms like Avalanche, Phantom, um, and others that have even faster transaction times and lower mm-hmm. transaction costs, but similar functionality in terms of NFTs and decentralized finance applications. But then why not build on blockchain, I mean, on, on Bitcoin's blockchain, then instead of Ethereum, since it is, to your point, pole position, it's number one by leaps and bounds by nature of being first, right? But also just name recognition and everything else. Bitcoin is the go-to. And so why not build the NFT platforms on that one instead? Yeah, it's actually not technically possible um, Hmm. in that Bitcoin's code itself is publicly available. Anybody can see it, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's very simple. I know it sounds like a complex thing, but at at a code level, Bitcoin's fairly simple, um, whereas Ethereum is a more complex operating environment. Bitcoin is really made to to securely record um, a custody of ownership. So be an immutable ledger of transactions, not to be a global supercomputer, which is exactly what Ethereum is designed to be. So, yeah, so so, uh, to take it into your question of like generating yield with Bitcoin, there your, your play is accumulate Bitcoin and then deposit it into a a decentralized finance protocol where you can Mm -hmm. borrow against it. So if I've got 100,000 Bitcoin, uh, dollars worth of Bitcoin, and I don't sell the Bitcoin, I would put it onto a platform and then borrow 200, you know, $20,000 against it and then Mm -hmm. do something with that 20. So that's how you like utilize or unlock some of your Bitcoin value store without selling it and without it actually being 
you know, a decentralized finance um, capable token like Ethereum. Is. You were about to take us down a whole other rabbit hole that I, I I'm just... backing out. I'm backing out. <laughs> <laughs> like the, 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 the steam coming out of my ears for a second where I was about to chase that. Just I realized like we got a show, we got a, a framework, I'm going to stick to it. And so I'm just but like, wow, we'll have to have a whole other conversation off the record. Oh, happy, just, to, um, happy to. But so all right so just for the sake of simple terminology and simple thought process right am i actually buying an nft am i investing in an nft am i trading an nft what actually happens when i turn over my hard-earned dollars in exchange for one of these things at the risk of sounding like somebody's granddad (laughs) no that's a good question there's different ways to play the nft game so let's Mm -hmm. look at the the big name collections like CryptoPunks or mm-hmm. Bored Ape Yacht Club, right? We're seeing people use these images of an ape as as a profile picture. Justin Bieber just bought a Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT for $1.3 million, right? So these are the marquee NFT transactions. But the Bored Ape Yacht Club is a collection of 10,000 NFTs, mm-hmm. each one unique, and each one inextricably part of that collection. So there'll only be and always be 10,000 Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs. Now, who owns those and how much they're paying for them is entirely subject to change. And that's part of the game, right? Do you get in at an NFT launch because it's going to be the next Board Ape Yacht Club? Well, then that's a bet on the overall collection is going to do well. Versus within a collection, there's something called rarity traits. So wow. within Board Ape Yacht Club, some of, let's say, I don't know if these numbers are accurate, but let's use some examples. Let's say 0.3% of all of those NFTs have an ultra rare trait. So something that visually distinguishes it, but certainly something else that's baked into the NFT code that means it's in a 0.3% category relative Mm -hmm. to the 10,000 NFTs. And then you can have a few, like 1% rarity, 3% rarity, and and all the way till 35% of all of these NFTs have some you know characteristic but it's it's that's the other lever that people play with is hey I'm buying an NFT sight unseen and mm-hmm. I hope I get a rare one just like if you buy a, a pack of sports cards or you want to find a rookie card from a a player something like that that's the digital equivalent with NFTs is you're buying into a collection, seeing what you get. And if you get a rare one, you could flip it for two, three X or maybe even mm-hmm. more. Um, so then that's the bet on on the launch. Right. Wow. Um, and I, then the I'm going to show my age here really quickly. But the, oh, as you're ahead. describing that, that reminds me of when I was a kid and Pokemon cards had just become like a thing. And they were like this international sensation in the sense that if you opened up a pack and you had, I don't even remember what was like the, the go-to best possible one you could yep. have, right? I know Pikachu was the star of the whole universe of Pokemon. This is about as much as I participated in as much as I remember. But if you were so lucky to open the pack out of 10 cards that had a Pikachu in it, you had something, right? Like in that moment, right. you could trade it for a gazillion dollars or something. And now I think about how if I was to approach anyone anywhere in the collectible space with a, you know, one of those giant books with the the plastic sleeves of cards in them and say, hey, I have a unique Pikachu card from 1998 or whenever this thing was hot. I can't even remember. Like, 
they would laugh me out of the room, right? And so I say that Maybe to say not. like, that think, might be super valuable. <laughs> but do you think that NFTs, do you think of them as, as something that has staying power in that sense? Or are these something that, you know, we're using it today, but you expect to see a yeah. newer, better technology come in and take its place in the next well, couple of years, maybe five years, 10 years, whatever. Uh, it's a great question. My honest thought is I think there's a huge hype wave. So there's mm-hmm. the, exactly like you described, like back when um, Pokemon was coming out, everyone's buying the cards to see if you mm-hmm. get that Pikachu. People are buying into these NFT launches to see if they get a rare one and then they have the thrill of flipping it and maybe making some money. But it's almost more the the thrill of participating in it. More just like people would buy Pokemon cards, not because they're using that as their one way to to get rich, but Mm -hmm. they like the collection, they like the community, they want to take part in it. So that's all translating over to NFTs. Um, And I think many of those will lose their luster or appeal, and there'll be only a few marquee or flagship collections like Board Ape Yacht Club that have real staying power and real, you know, intrinsic economic value over time. but that paves the way for what we're doing at PowerFan and what other creative companies are doing is NFTs as part of your business model, not just a, a collectible thing that you can flip or trade, but mm-hmm. an NFT as um, access to bonus content, access to a private community, um, a way to deliver online training courses, you know, could be issued and sold and transacted as an NFT. There's all sorts of implications there. So that's where that's where the the rabbit hole leads is the hype the the loud headlines you see like 69 million dollar NFT sale for Beeple and 1.3 million for Justin Bieber and Board Ape Yacht Club those transactions are happening but there's also a massive broad base of creators your everyday people that are getting into the game some of them making life changing money through their creativity and their just hustle and that's the other story that I'm interested in is like it's a real economic leveler for people to be able to create and sell something in cryptocurrency if they're in a country with hyperinflation, for example. Um, so there's a whole like other, us here in the United yeah. States. Yeah, we don't have it as bad as <laughs> Venezuela, no, for example, I right I now. Understand. But like that's that's real talk. If you're in Venezuela and you've got Bitcoin, <laughs> I'd rather have that than whatever the national currency is, right? So. So that's, I think, driving the bigger picture is that crypto and NFTs have exploded because um, the non-traditional players are, are driving it forward. It's not now Nike's entering the metaverse. Now there's big banner transactions like Microsoft mm-hmm. buying, what is it, Activision, Facebook rebranding as Meta. They're trying to own the space. They're going to do what they're going to do, but it's being led by um, a, a worldwide distributed group of people that are just more native with this technology and and like creating on it okay so let's let's dig into that a little bit more right i i I, in preparation for this interview i did a little did a little bit of reading online and i saw somewhere you know where you said that nfts are a great way to shift the economic incentives more in the favor of creatives and you just mentioned of a life-changing money that uh one of your creators was able to to generate for themselves can you say a bit a bit more about that Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I have this background in book publishing and as an author. So let's look at um, how NFTs have the potential to disrupt and and change this content industry. So as a book publisher, we're we're giving away up to 70% of the list price of a book 
when mm-hmm. it's sold through a retailer. And there's a reason why. There's platform fees, distribution fee. If it's physical, then you've got printing and inventory fees. Getting you down to capturing maybe 30% of the mm-hmm. list price as the creator or as the person licensed to sell this work. And so in an NFT, right, as you saw, or, or you know, as we discussed, you can build in a royalty to the asset. So when an NFT is created, you could have, let's say, a 10% royalty built hmm. into it so that on each subsequent transaction, 10% of that sale value flows back to the creator instantly and automatically. No matter who and owns so, it. Well, no matter who buys and sells it, the creator receives 10% Got of each it. transaction. Interesting. And so that is an illustration of how, for example, with book publishing, if we sell a book through Amazon, Mm -hmm. then 60 to 90 days later, they pay us as a publisher, and then we calculate author royalties, and then maybe six months after that book is sold, we're paying our authors, and we move quick. But with an NFT, the sale happens, and instantaneously, um, a royalty is now in the creator's wallet, and the seller received 90% of the proceeds. So as a content creator yourself, I can imagine how the possibilities of NFTs and being able to go direct to consumer this way and bypass those bigger platforms that charge a hefty toll. This really has to excite you. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's why I've been pretty diligent for seven years building a publishing company. Mm -hmm. And in the last one year, PowerFan and NFTs have taken my attention to the level of this we're dovetailing our publishing to you know to work within this new medium as well in fact i look at nfts as part of an overall publishing program um, hmm. so like for publishing someone's book let's talk about the nft collection that represents the book and comes out at the same time as the book right i, I so when i first looked at this i was looking at it through the lens of publishing music. You, you hear about like how Taylor Swift is in this constant tug of war with mm-hmm. uh, whoever owns the rights to her, whatever hedge fund I think it is that owns the rights to her original masters and her having to go recreate them slightly different so that now she can own them because they wouldn't sell them to her. Or That's you hear right. about how artists who have their music on Spotify uh, love and hate Spotify because they take a huge chunk of the money that comes to them, but uh, they have to get their music out there some way. And so it's a necessary evil until it isn't. And it sounded to me like NFTs were something that was creating the opportunity for them to say, well, now I don't really have to go this way anymore because the internet and that and, and basically Web2 has allowed me to go to people's cell phones directly where they consume the music anyway. But I had never really thought of it as a place to get your written works out there too or or even maybe a podcast perhaps those kind of things that like were tertiary to uh film and bigger music uh production but it's opening my eyes to ways to go against the machine so to speak which is really what DeFi really is it's basically just i'm tired of the house always winning and so i'm gonna find a whole new casino to go play in um yeah to, to, to do better for myself. So I, I completely understand the sentiment there. Well, let me give you a quick example of music. You mentioned the music industry and how I see mm-hmm. NFTs in that evolution. You know, 20 years ago, if you wanted a hit song, you had to go buy the CD, right? The actual mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. 
And then singles came along, and Apple really revolutionized music by allowing a la carte single sales of songs. So mm -hmm. now you had a trend towards hit music instead of, hey, the whole album has some, some album tracks and then some hit singles, right? Now you could buy one song. Now the next evolution was streaming. You mentioned Spotify. Now mm -hmm. you can pay 10 bucks and listen to every song that was ever created. But the artist gets a fractional share of that value of the stream. So I see the evolution is how can creators using NFTs and digital assets incentivize their fans, even give them free music or airdrop them free NFTs of a new song and then let their fans buy and sell them amongst each other, just capturing a small percentage of each transaction. So wow, you, you get into this evolution of instead of, hey, buy my song or hey, you know, stream my music and tell all your friends to stream it 20 times a day so I make money, you could say, yo, to my community, I'm going to airdrop 100 NFTs of mm -hmm. my brand new song, but this is the only way you're ever going to be able to hear this song. So 100 of you are going to get it for free. What you may not say is everybody that buys and sells it then, you're getting 10% of all those transactions. <laughs> but now, sure, 100 people are hustling and buying and selling and collecting and flexing on your you know, one of 100 exclusive song drop NFTs. And that is an example of how you're creating a passive income, literally in this case, without even selling your content to your fans. I labeled myself a skeptic in my initial introduction of this, but I have to be honest, my mind is being blown as you're talking because I'm like, as, as my entrepreneur hat now is on my head and I'm seeing all the different possible ways to get paid in the scenario you just laid out, right? Like if, if live <laughs> yeah. music is the thing that keeps artists actually getting paid and they don't make money off selling the music through streaming. They make money off putting butts in seats and you coming to listen to me sing a live rendition of the song. So the only way to get access now to that NFT is by paying for a concert ticket and then I'm airdropping it live at the concert yep. and that's the only place to get it. And then all of a sudden I've got this other marketplace that I mean, like, my God, the opportunities that like. I can see and I'm not even a person who's in the music business and has experience figuring out how to monetize that. So I again, that's a whole other rabbit hole that I won't jump down um, just because <laughs> this would be a six hour podcast of me asking you a lot of like seemingly dumb and repetitive questions. But let's let's talk about power fans specifically for a moment. Right. If I'm sure. a creator, how does your platform help me? create and distribute my work as an NFT, as a novice who is not a digital native, I'm a, a, a boomer, let's say, who has no interest whatsoever in learning, any, in learning anything about Web3 and how that's going to work. How do you guys actually help me get the book that's in my head out to the people and get me paid more? Because that's the thing that's got my attention and brought me to your platform in the first yeah, place. Yeah. No, it's the right question. Everything we've been talking about is what PowerFan is designed to do. So for people that are a little tech savvy or have you know some experience with NFTs, you can create an account at PowerFan and start creating NFTs and having your own profile and making them available for sale. And in that situation, you keep 97.5% and we just keep a 2.5% platform fee, transaction fee. So, so that's available. But then our model for someone like you know yourself or someone that doesn't even want to get involved in the tech, we have what we call um, white glove service or like mm -hmm. a turnkey NFT launch where 
we just have a consultation. We say, okay, well, what's the collection? How many pieces in it? What are the bonuses that people get? What imagery or artwork are we using? And we, we build the NFT collection and, and present it just with a link, like on a featured page, so that you can then share it with your audience and bring the, you know, the buyers and the interest in the community. So that's our partnership model. Um, and we do a 70-30 split um, with the creator on the initial sale only. So once those are sold the first time, then you're just getting the royalty on the secondary sales and PowerFan's no longer involved. So we're like a, a digital printing press that mints NFTs and sends them off into the blockchain with creators' wallets attached to them. So let's stick with that analogy for a second, and then I'm going to bounce to the last thing that you said. But if I write a book and I decide I don't want to hire a traditional publisher and have them back me and help distribute the book, right? I call you guys and I either go the white glove route or I go the I'm a millennial or a Gen Zer and I kind of get it. And so I can I can do some of this myself. I just need you guys for the platform. I, I understand the, the separation yeah. between those two. But now let's say I am the consumer. And I, per I, I click the link that's on your main website, jessekrieger.com, and I say, that book right there, that's the one that I want to uh, I, I purchase. I click the link. I give you my, my uh, credit card information. Where do I go now? What am I actually receiving back to me? How am I actually reading the book? Right? You use the analogy of the printing press, which I assume this thing is completely digital at this point. So I'm like reading it on a Kindle or you know wherever. Where am I actually getting my book that I just paid for? So you mean as an NFT now, right? Right. So I, I purchased the NFT, yeah. but I Got can't it. actually read the coin or the token. So if, if, I, if I, I feel like such an old man asking this question, no, 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 like, no, where am I actually reading yeah. the book now as the person who just laid out 20 bucks for this NFT? Yeah. So let me, uh, two, two answers to that. You said from the consumer side. So mm -hmm. one, we've, we're, we're extending the bridge to all people, all generations by allowing credit card purchase of NFTs. So if this is your first NFT purchase as a consumer, mm -hmm. we have an on-ramp where you can buy the NFT with a credit card. And then on the back end, we walk through and have a process for you to set up the crypto wallet, a MetaMask wallet, so that you can receive the actual digital asset that you've purchased. So that's how we fulfill on a sale if somebody buys it with a credit card. On the other mm -hmm. hand, if somebody connects their wallet to the site, their crypto wallet, their MetaMask, and buys an NFT with Ethereum or with Polygon, then they instantly and automatically have that NFT in their wallet. And there's, we're not even in the middle of that as a intermediary, you see? Um, but so now, where now how does somebody, am I, yeah, yeah, so where now am I consuming the book? Correct. So the NFT is a key. Once you own it, it unlocks a section of the, there's, there's content that's only visible to the owner. So provided you have the NFT in your wallet now, because you purchased it, you can see the unlockable content and that can either point you to a download file for a, you could deliver the PDF version. You could deliver an EPUB, um, an audio book. You could deliver the book digitally in high full res format okay. know, via a link that's only accessible to the NFT holder um, and or have a form or a way that they can give their you know, name and email. So now you have them in your CRM as well as you know, an NFT holder. 
Um, so that's how you bounce people from, okay, someone bought my NFT. How do they actually uh, access my content? And then how do I have a communication with them beyond just them owning this, this digital asset in their wallet anonymously? Got it. Okay. So, oh, but it's okay. Let's go back for a second. Cause you were mentioning the fact that like, it takes an entirely different connection for me to be able to like take my Amex, put the information online, buy the link or buy access to the book. Now you're reminding me where we started. This is where I have to actually trade us dollars for Ethereum to be able to buy the NFT in the first place. So as only a, if you're buying it natively, like only if you're buying it with Ethereum, what, what we do at PowerFan is when we partner up with a creator to do a launch, we can mm -hmm. enable credit card buying. So I see. So that so that you as a creator can then say, hey, everybody, I know you've been hearing about NFTs. We've made it so easy that you can get access to my NFT collection with a credit card. And then we're going to fulfill the NFT to you, to your wallet and get you set up. So if you if you message it like that, you can be the um, the on ramp where somebody sets up a wallet, a crypto wallet for the first time to receive the NFT they just bought from you with a credit card, if that makes sense. It does. But if I am if I'm the creator, am I receiving my payout or royalties in the form of other NFTs or some other form of digital currency like Ethereum? Or am I getting paid in cold, hard U.S. dollars uh, when it, once uh, it's all yeah, set and so, done? Yeah. So if, if you're if we're partnering with a creator for this, then we can pay out in any currency that that we agree on. So we can pay someone out in Ethereum. We can do a wire transfer for the net amount. But if someone just uses the platform and we're not doing like a launch partnership, then they can only sell it in cryptocurrency. So Ethereum or Polygon, Matic. And in that case, yeah, the transaction simply just takes place in cryptocurrency. So it's only when we partner for a launch that we can enable traditional finance payment, credit cards, debit cards. Mm -hmm. But then we're, we're onboarding people to crypto with that being their first purchase. So we have a fulfillment sequence to get them the wallet, get the information we need, and then transfer the actual NFT to their wallet so that the net effect is they do have the NFT, the same as if they bought it with crypto, but having mm -hmm. purchased it with a credit card. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about someone like myself, who's an old millennial who sits on that fence of the world is changing and I can at least pretend to understand what in the world is happening, right? I'm having this conversation with you and uh, probably successfully convincing you that I know what the heck is happening in the world. But at the same time, like I have an appreciation for the analog world of using paper cash once upon a time and physical coins to actually oh, know where too. my money was and what it was worth. Right. And I feel like I'm perfectly situated to see the wave as it's coming, but also remember what the wave was that that has washed its way out. And so as I'm, I'm thinking about this, I'm 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 starting to think about the folks who we've seen take their payment, their paycheck in cryptocurrency and get wiped out along the way, right? I'm thinking about like Odell Beckham Jr. is a popular one or Mayor, it was his name, uh, Adams uh, from New York is another popular one and Bitcoin's at $60,000 per and it sounds like a great idea. And then suddenly Bitcoin slams down to $40,000 per and you're like, oh crap, that was a really bad idea, right? Like that was- Only if you're planning now on selling it, only if you're planning on selling it to use it. Um, well, that's where I was going with this. Yeah. I, I think having the option of take my money today as cash, even though I'm using this 
fully digital web three version of getting my content out there. But my royalties show up to me when it's all said and done as a wire transfer into my regular bank account in U.S. dollars like I'm used to. That helps me be a little bit more comfortable as an old millennial versus the person who is a little bit younger than myself or a little bit more trusting of the system or maybe just more bullish on the price of Ethereum down the road who says, I will take that chance and I'll get paid out in Ethereum from now on. And I'm going to be the smarter person in the room when it's all said and done, because Ethereum's now worth the same thing as Bitcoin uh, at some point. Right. So I, I like the fact that, like, there is the option of going choose your own adventure, basically, I guess, is the way to, to say it. But well, yeah, it's, um, a, it's a different topic, but there's stable coins. So you could mm -hmm. receive payment in cryptocurrency, but not be subject to the currency going up or down. Yeah. Bitcoin, 60,000 one day, 40,000 the next. But you only lose if you sell. And I don't yeah. think you should ever sell. If you're receiving payment in Bitcoin, leave it. Um, but if you want crypto access via a paycheck, receive it in Tether. It's a one-to-one -one stable coin that's always worth a dollar, but it exists on the blockchain. So you can use it in any, you know, it's convertible to any other crypto asset. Jeez, oh, that, that. Again, that's another one of those rabbit holes that I just saw opening up because oh. <laughs> the whole <laughs> no idea of holding on for dear life, which basically it sounds like you're in that camp when it comes to crypto. That's where the idea you were bringing to me of just borrowing against it and holding on to it forever to allow it to become whatever it becomes um, yeah. comes back into play. Um, but I won't chase that today. We'll have to have a, a whole okay. completely separate. Didn't mean to. Uh, I just wanted to point out, like that. Yeah, it's just simply that if you do choose to receive payment in crypto, you don't have to be subject to crypto volatility. Um, and I guess that's the simple point to make. Yeah. Well. So my last question on this, and you know, this is completely separate and apart from everything we've been talking about. So you can take off your your power fan hat for a second and just uh, allow yourself to, to to go free with it. But let's say for a moment that you never began writing and you never found your passion for the publishing business, but money wasn't a factor in your decision making at all. What do you think you'd be doing right now? I can honestly say I, I would be doing the exact same thing because if I'm really honest, I've never truly been motivated just by money. If I did, starting a book publishing company would probably be the <laughs> bottom bottom of the list of com companies and industries to barge into. But practically speaking, uh, you know, as someone who wrote a book called Lifestyle Entrepreneur, I've always had an emphasis on what's my day-to-day -day experience of life like while starting and building businesses and I, I place a lot of emphasis on not letting myself get too far out of balance mm -hmm. um, such that i'm like sacrificing now quote unquote for some big future event like an exit from a company and instead sure. being like am i enjoying the daily conversations the daily team the daily client work um, and when i am then everything's everything's rocking um, and if I'm not, then that's telling me something needs to shift. That's a fair perspective. Uh, well, I tell you what, I, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this, Jesse. This was great. You have literally educated me live in the moment. And so that is what the show is here to to do. And so I appreciate you uh, you coming on and making the time to do this. But where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and or PowerFan after this goes live? Well, thank you so much for having me. And I know you said you were a little skeptical, so I laid it on thick to try and uh, show you what's possible here. 
And you know, if this is interesting, check out powerfan.io. Uh, my name's Jesse Krieger. I'm easy to find on all of our socials and uh, hit me up. So thanks so much for having me and uh, hope you enjoyed it, everybody listening. Absolutely. Well, Eric with an A, why don't you go ahead and close us out, sir? I would be honored to. Jesse, thank you so much for all the information. Uh, just boggles my mind. Uh, Malcolm, you, you made reference to not being the grandpa in the room. Well, I am the grandpa in the room, and now I know, because I've been telling NFTs to get off my lawn for the last six months. So I don't know. I think it's the wrong take, but I will say this. Yeah, I, I've been wrong a lot, but I will tell you this, youngin'. Uh, it's a Charizard 1999 holographic oh, Pokemon no. card. That is the one. Oh. And there is one on eBay for you right now for $25,000. If you just want to oh, invest, so, you know, yeah, go get I it. I remember the holographic cards now. That just brought back yeah, such First a edition. First edition. And I'm first sure. This is the money. Yeah. And I'm sure Jesse can figure out how to turn that Charizard card into an NFT and sell you it buy 75 it off eBay times. And we'll so. sell it for five times as much as an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a plan. We'll talk off air uh, again, guys. Thank you so much for the, the time today. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, listener. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Tech Money Podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask you to share this podcast and leave a review as this will help others find the show. You can connect with Malcolm on social at Malcolm on Money. We'd love to hear from you and answer any questions you have, and you can do so by emailing them to podcast at techmoney.com. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Tech Money, our hope is that this show helped make you just a little smarter about your money. This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic, to review the show notes, or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover, or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on 
on every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Gllc.com.